0: Download the Viator app now and use code VIATOR10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. The short-handed Sixers do it again this time to beat the Bulls 114-105, an impressive performance in many aspects. Also, now sitting at 8-2, and two, six wins in a row, the best record in the NBA's Eastern Conference. Before I jump into the details from this game, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com, where we have you covered for all things Sixers as we get into the nitty-gritty of the regular season. So as I was saying, this game really, again, showcasing the Sixers' depth, and some might say a lack of it. They did have some reinforcements come in in terms of Jaden Springer. Uh, He was able to join the team, Aaron Henry more just to give the team some bodies. But again, Doc just went with eight players because Tobias Harris still in the NBA's health and safety protocols. We don't know when he's going to be available. And then on top of that, Danny Green's still out dealing with that hamstring injury so not a lot for doc to work with but they're finding ways to win and you know this game kind of had like this weird flow to it where the sixers were playing their fourth game in five nights uh haven't had a ton of rest lately taking on the bulls for the second time in a week and chicago hadn't played since wednesday when they lost in philly so i was anticipating the bulls to come out fresh and it looked like that because the sixers struggled i mean they were at three for nine eight points in the first six minutes of the quarter but the bulls weren't able to, to really get away from this one. And it was funny because Philly was looking really, really, really tired to start the game and the offense was struggling. And it was kind of like, okay, maybe the guys are running on fumes here, but it didn't happen like that. Uh, It looks like, you know, the Sixers just got reinvigorated at some point in, the second quarter, uh, Joel Embiid was fantastic. He had his best game in the season, in my opinion, finished with 30 points and 15 boards, including a big time three, which is 15 seconds left in the game. Shot clock was running down. That put the Sixers up 112-104 and basically iced things from there. But he was great. And I also think the ending of this game really showcased the talent the Sixers have overall. They're a deep, deep, deep squad. The Bulls were knocking on the door before FERC hit a, a three. That was huge. I mean, he's, he was great again. We saw the return of fourth fourth quarter, Ferk. He had a big boy bucket early in the quarter. Should have been an and one. Then he hit a ridiculous three, less than a minute and a half after that, before the one I was talking about now. He ended up finishing with 11 points in the quarter and really showcased how much the Sixers missed him. Ferk was great as well. He was the second leading scorer on the squad with 25 points, finished seven to nine, shooting from the outside, even chipped in with six boards. So these guys are learning to play together. And, and man, I mean, the way the Sixers looked, they had... Seven guys hit double figures. All five starters hit double figures. So you're looking at this team and thinking to yourself now, the way they've played and what they've shown, they got the depth. They got the talent to be able to compete with any team in the Eastern Conference and really across the entire league. And, and I think that's what going back to the ending of that game. I mentioned that FERC three and then the Bulls kept you know getting within two, getting within one. And then we saw Tyrese Maxey have a big hoop. He was driving hard at the end there. And then George Niang followed that up with a huge three to put the Sixers up five with a minute 20 left. And of course, as I mentioned, you had the, the Joel three there too. That they're pretty much well ice things. But you're looking at this and you're like, damn, this team is good. And and they have the horses to play with anyone. And it's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out. I, I Speaking of shake, I, I love what I saw from Milton again. Um, again, nothing fancy, but... Quality minutes, 13 points, seven rebounds, six times. He's kind of helping with the playmaking as Tyrese Maxey's growing more comfortable with his role. I mentioned his bucket there at the end, but he finished with 10 points and eight assists, played 44 minutes as well. And that's just because the Sixers are just so shallow in, in their backcourt right now, especially given the injury situation and, and the guys you're missing in Danny Green in Tobias Harris. And of course, Ben Simmons still sitting out. But overall, this has been a masterful coaching job by Doc Rivers as one of our contributors at Liberty Ballers mentioned, Jackson Frank, he said, Doc Rivers seems to be at his best when his team is facing adversity. And we've seen that through 10 games this year. The team sitting at eight and two without an all-star caliber guy in Ben Simmons. Now you've been missing Tobias Harris, who is an all-star caliber type player, but, you know, they're still finding ways to win. And and it was interesting because there were a few moments in this game that really, uh, kind of defined the way things finished up. And like I mentioned, the Sixers were were down and they looked kind of out of it in the second quarter. And then out of nowhere, they came up with a 50-0 run, wound up taking a nine-point lead that was capped off by an Embiid three. And it had another funny thing that actually happened during the game, speaking to Joe, he was frustrated after a turnover, kind of whipped his right arm like a, a punching motion in the air, and it actually almost connected with Lonzo Ball. And I'll tell you right now, if it did, of course, it would have been accidental. He wasn't trying to punch Lonzo. He was just basically an air punch out of frustration. But trust me, if that landed, Lonzo Ball would have been knocked out cold, like laying in the middle of the floor. Get the paramedics out, and Joel probably <laughs> got kicked out of this game. He did end up getting a tech for it. But again, he had a monster first half. Had 20 points, 10 rebounds in the first half alone. And and for me, again, you know, looking a lot more comfortable in terms of his mid range, his post game. He had a lot of easy ju- jumpers where he was kind of just basically turning and jumping over Nikola Vucevic and just throwing it in the hoop. And he looked much more comfortable from the outside as well. In this one, he went four or five from deep. So maybe he is getting used to the Wilson ball that he's been complaining about that the NBA is using so much. But really, once Joel came alive, the offense really started getting going. Seth Curry, who was struggling a bit in the first quarter, started getting to the rim in the second quarter. He was a lot more aggressive trying to drive, trying to get into the paint. And I thought he had a couple of nice finishes as well in the third. So you're looking at this and... The issues we've seen with the Sixers in terms of the offensive end, although they did rear their ugly head in that loss against Brooklyn where the Nets went on that 16-1 run, you're starting to see this. these guys kind of play together. and And the way they're doing it is, okay, when Joel's not on the court all right, we'll get, you know, we'll get Furko going and shake Milton, as I mentioned, stepping up, Seth Curry, stepping up. I love what Paul Reed did. He started in this game, uh, ended up finishing with 10 points and five boards, four offensive rebounds. Uh, they were calling him put back Paul for all of the dunks and the follow-ups that he had that, that resulted in points. But it was exciting to see what the Sixers have been looking like, what they playing like uh, the bulls, you know, kept trying to make a charge and it, it looked like they might take over and win the game just based off energy alone the sixers were up 96-89 with just over 9 minutes left and then they went cold and we've seen that a lot over previous seasons where the offense kind of craps out and the bulls went on a 10-nothing run ended up taking the lead but as i mentioned you know that was that was answered with a big 3 from uh, joel who who gave the sixers a lead back but you're looking at that and you know they just didn't give up They've shown tenacity. They've shown grit. They've saw every cliche you can think of. The Sixers are doing it so far. And and being at eight and two is so encouraging because as I mentioned before on the podcast, not having to have the pressure rise in terms of making a Ben Simmons deal just for making a deal. And Harrison Grimm, who's another contributor for Liberty Ballers, he mentioned this on Twitter. He's like, you know, makes sense now. Maybe why Daryl Morey and Elton Brand and the, and the management team are looking for a star level guy with a trade for Ben Simmons, because these guys have a very, very good team right now. And again, I'm not going to act like, oh, the championship's coming to Philly because there's still, you know, we're only 10 games in, things could go sour over the next week or so. We never know what's going to, so I'm not going to say that at this point, but are they absolutely showing that they can I've clearly now showing that they can win without Ben at eight and two. And so, you know, maybe waiting out and, and waiting to see the type of package you can get and. Again, guys are going to become disgruntled in their current situations. You might see teams trying to look at rebuilding and and trading away to star. If the season gets away from them, that usually doesn't happen until a couple of months, two, three months in and the trade deadline in February. So you might see some movement there. But if the Sixers can keep this up and keep winning at this clip, yeah, there's no pressure on Daryl Morey to make a trade. There's no you know, immediacy in the fact that, oh, we need help right now because we're sitting at four and six. So they've answered every question that's been in front of them after the first four games. And again, if they continue to do this, I think Daryl is just going to hold the line, wait and see what happens as you well have probably heard. The Sixers are now back to fighting Ben 360 grand per game he misses. So the pressure is going to be on him now to start deliver because the team's like, yo, if you're not going to give us and our, our doctors access to you and we're going to find out what the mental health issues you're having, then we're not going to be able to, to pay you. And, and we're going to withhold that. They're putting the money into an escrow account once again. So that's something to keep an eye on. I, I think, obviously, anytime the Sixers aren't playing, what happens with Ben, what happens at the facility in Camden? You know, we got to get to know this stuff as it, as it comes out, basically, over the over the coming weeks and, and days. And we don't know how long that's going to be. But again, I just don't see Daryl Morey having to make a move. This is, has turned into a, a pretty big standoff. Uh, The Inquirer's Keith Pompey wrote an excellent piece about it that really, there might not be a winner in all this because Ben's going to keep losing money. He's not getting to rebuild his trade value. The Sixers are holding steadfast that, hey, if you're not following the protocols that are listed in your contract, we're not going to pay you either. So a long way away from from figuring out an answer to this. I do want to jump into one more thing surrounding the whole Damian Lillard stuff. I'll do that after a short break. All right, and I'm back. As I mentioned, Sixers now have won six in a row. They're, they're looking great. A lot of good things from this game that they played. Uh, I'll jump into the Blazer stuff in a second. But one area of concern I have noticed with the Sixers is the offensive rebounding. And again, I'm not going to harp on it because they've won six in a row and they're looking pretty good. But overall, it has been an issue this season, a minor issue, obviously, considering the fact that they've won 80% of their games. But this one, they got killed on the offensive glass. I mean, the Bulls were all over it. They ended up with 18 offensive rebounds, ended up taking 11 more shots than the Sixers did overall. So the game was there for the Bulls, you know, for the taking. But I mean, that has been an issue all season for the Sixers has given up second chance points. Uh, they were giving up the fourth most offensive rebounds per game coming into this one. So Again, hasn't really come back to bite them yet, but it might be something that loses a game if they're not able to clean that up. I think once Tobias Harris is back in the lineup, it will make a big difference on that front. But getting back to what I wanted to jump into about the Blazers, so as you may have heard again on this one, that the team is, is conducting an investigation on Neil Oshie, one of the executives there, in terms of what type of operations he's running. There's been accusations that it's a toxic work environment, put a lot of the employees down, being kind of rude so that is something to keep an eye on in my opinion because who knows if this investigation which is being conducted by ownership if it reveals that Neil Olshi is is basically a bully and not a nice person to work with and contributing to a toxic workplace culture will Damian Lillard have a say in who they bring in and will that make him want to stay in Portland more that's something to keep an eye on because he did say earlier in the week he's like I want to win a championship in Portland it would mean so much to me in order to do that. If I can do that, I mean, it doesn't look like the Blazers are anywhere near a championship contender at this point, but if they do decide to make a change at the top, you know, what's going to happen with, with Lillard, will he have a say in, in who the new GM is, is they're going to hire someone who, who maybe has a similar vision to what Dame wants to accomplish on the court. But you know, he's 31 years old. He's probably has another, maybe three, four, five really good seasons in him before we see a bit of a drop off. But you know, that's something I think we we should be keeping an eye on because the other option is the ownership group in Portland looks at bringing in a guy who's going to tear everything down and want to start fresh and put his imprint on the team. And maybe we'll look at shipping off Dame, shipping off CJ McCollum to try and get some assets in terms of draft picks and some futures, or the new GM could come in and look at it and say, hey, we need a change. Let's try and trade Damian Lillard and, and look at getting another all-star caliber player back. So there's a lot of things left to play out. We're so early in the NBA season, but that to me is just something to keep an eye on because if they do make a change, how much will that impact Damian Lillard's desire to to stay in Portland? And let's just say they hire someone he's not a fan of, like they, like they hired Chauncey Billups as a coach. What happens at that point? There's so many things that are left to play out. And again, as I mentioned, these teams, a lot of teams around the league are still feeling pretty good about themselves. Maybe got off to a hot start. Like the Cavs are six and four in the East. So if they start dropping down, you might see them make a make a change. Bradley Beal has the Wizards at six and three as well. If they end up, you know, tanking a bit and going on a six-seven game losing streak. Will he look at maybe wanting to get out of Washington? There's so many factors at play, but I think keeping an eye on what happens with that investigation in Portland uh, will be important going into the coming months of the nba season that'll do it for this episode of sixers daily before i wrap things up don't forget you can subscribe to the liberty Ballers podcast network we're on apple podcasts and pretty much well, anywhere you get your fix and you can also check us out at libertyballers.com if you want to interact with me on twitter feel free to do so i'm at jaskang21 that's at j-a-s-k-a-n-g 21 i'll talk to you all next time